Hey guys, it's me, Annie. Welcome back to the Traveling RNOB. I know it's been a while. Uh, it's been way more than a week, definitely. Um, and you guys are probably on the edge of your seats wanting to know how everything's going so far. And I wish I had better news for you, but um, it's taken me this long to post another episode because... I was in my feels, I was a little bit depressed for a minute, I had a lot of feelings of like failure and inadequacy, and um, if you know me, you know I pride myself on being, you know, a great nurse and educating others and things like that, Um, so when things don't work out, you know, you just feel like, like a failure, you know, basically. And I didn't want to make another podcast episode until I sort of had a plan. But, you know, life kind of just throws lemons at you, like left and right. And you just have to figure out how to make lemonade. And I don't ever want to be um, like deceiving, like I'm having a great time if, you know, that's not the case. So I want to make sure I can be transparent with you guys if anyone's listening and keep you on the real path with me and not you know sugarcoat thing I think you all could really tell how excited I was to start this new journey and I still am but um like I said things didn't go as planned unfortunately and I'm gonna tell you about you know how it went down but I think the most important part to me right now is trying to move forward and the reason I can do that is because of all the support I have, all of my friends, my mom, my family. Um, So I really just am thankful for my support system right now. But basically, you know, what happened was, you know, I was in orientation, like I told you guys, my first three days of orientation, and we had some patients. I got there, I was learning the ropes on everything, where everything is, supplies-wise, medication-wise, learning the charting system, because it's a different charting system than I was used to. We started off with um, two patients. One was already postpartum, so we were going to be transferring her. And we also started off with um, an induction for um, uh, a third-time mom. So um, if you know about delivering moms, you know that they usually go faster when it's not their first time. So that's just something I had in the back of my mind. And everything was going really well from what I was seeing. I thought that I was really picking up a lot of what my preceptor was showing me. And we were having great, you know, conversation and working well together. And um, I was definitely adjusting to their processes and procedures of doing things. And I think it was going pretty well. Um, I had to do a vaginal exam, which if you don't know, it is um, digitally, meaning using your digits, evaluating a patient's cervix to see how dilated they are. Um, And where I come from, that's something that the doctors and residents usually do. Um, But, you know, typically wherever you go, nurses are the ones doing these vaginal exams and evaluating for dilation. Um, And so I was honest and I said that I had never done that before. And that was something that I was definitely going to need to learn. So I did it definitely a couple of times while I was there, um, which feels good. It's always great to 
um, learn a new skill and be able to use it or lose it basically is for anything in nursing. Um, so that was a good experience for me, but I think that it kind of threw them off a little bit when I told them that I had never done that. And then saying that I had never been a primary nurse in labor and delivery, I think that um, they were all a little bit confused as to why I was there then. And actually, while I was there, um, my induction patient ended up delivering. So I had started her induction and she delivered on the same shift. And so it was great because I was able to see it all from start to finish and the whole delivery process and how that facility runs their deliveries and the aftercare as well. So I thought that everything was going really well. And I thought that um, we were doing great work together just based off of the patients that I had while I was there in the very short time that I was there, I felt really good and confident about what I was doing. And I think that if they had let me finish the orientation, that they would have seen themselves that I was capable of doing what I said I was. In my mind, I was thinking about the interview that I had with the management of OB there um, when I had applied for a permanent position. And it was a thorough interview and we did talk about my competencies and what I could do and what my experience was in. And then when I didn't take that position but had later applied for a travel position, um, it was the same management that had given me the offer through the travel agency without interviewing me. So I really felt like they were excited to have me back as someone that could add value in every department. You know, if they need someone on postpartum, if they need someone on antepartum, if they need someone in triage, if they need someone in labor and delivery. Those are all units that I've been on and I've had assignments in from, you know, from my history. So in my mind, I thought that they were, you know, excited to have me on knowing full well my abilities. So I was actually in the middle of um, trying to operate the nitrous oxide, which is the laughing gas that we offer patients now in OB to help them cope with pain of labor. And really the options don't differ that much depending on where you go because labor management If we're talking non-pharmaceutical labor management, there's a lot of things you can do, but pharmaceutical labor management really comes down to your epidural, um, your IV opioid medication, i.e. Stadol, um, and then what we have now is the nitrous oxide that we use as laughing gas to help women cope through contractions. Um, And so I was in the middle of offering that to a patient and setting it up because she was going to be getting a a Foley balloon to help her dilate more. Um, And I thought that it might help her because that's not the easiest way to be induced. It's definitely um, a little bit painful. Um, And so I was setting it up and then I got a call on my work phone, which you get when you um, clock into work. And it was one of the managers, the, the one that had originally interviewed me I knew who this lady was and um, she basically said to me you know I'm gonna need you to hand in your badge and leave and I just was in shock that I was like um, I guess there's nothing else that you can tell me and she just said you know your agency representative will call you in the morning and she said it again your agency representative will call you in the morning 
So, um, I mean, I don't even have to tell you how distraught I was because I was handing in my badge. That means that, you know, I'm not coming back to this facility for whatever reason. And so I left, I called my mom, I was hysterical. I was like that for the next couple days, actually, like pretty hysterical for a couple days and calling, you know, my mom and my friends and just telling them what had happened. Um, and then, so the next morning, on California time, unfortunately, because I had to wait a long time, but I finally got a text from my agency rep and um, she let me know that she was in meetings all day, but she wanted to tell me as soon as she found out that the facility had canceled my contract due to not enough labor and delivery experience. I was in such shock. I felt blindsided. I had no idea this was going to happen. And especially because I thought that I was going to be a valuable member to the whole OB team here. Um, I thought that they were going to utilize me to their advantage. Um, but in their mind, I think they thought that I wasn't good enough and I didn't have um, enough experience uh, to be able to do what they wanted me to do. So um, I do think that I wish I would have had the rest of my orientation just to kind of show them what I could do and what I was capable of. But um, they decided to cancel my contract. And I'll be honest, um, it felt like the end of the world. It felt like, I don't know why this is happening. I feel like such a failure. Um, you know, I'm letting down everyone that is supporting me, basically, is how I was feeling. So over the past two weeks, it's definitely been a struggle for me. I moved into an apartment that I got for my mom. Um, so I'm moving into this apartment getting it ready for her when she comes with the dogs to live here. And um, I have been sort of just sheltering myself in the apartment because, you know, it feels like, what do I even have to wake up for? I don't have a job. And when I don't have a job, I feel meaningless. And so it's been hard. But um, I'm trying to just look forward. And I'm trying to, you know, I still want to be the traveling RNOB. I still want to be a traveling nurse. I want to see different places. And I think I just have to remember that I am a great nurse and I have a specialty and I have a lot of information to share about it. And I need to stick with what I'm passionate about and not try to make things fit into a puzzle because I will be of value to an antepartum unit somewhere. I took the advice of a couple different, you know, travel nurse blog sites that I was looking at after this all happened. And I joined another travel agency just because for me and my specialized field, antepartum, it's high risk pregnancies. It's not as common to find openings as an ICU opening or a labor and delivery opening or a postpartum opening. Like even though I can take those assignments they won't take me if I'm not that primary nurse, you know, two years experience being that primary nurse, which I realize now. And so I joined another travel agency just so that I could have more options to choose from as an antepartum nurse. And um, I actually was looking at openings for antepartum nurses anywhere. And I saw an opening in New York City which I'm definitely willing to go to because um, it's so close to my family and friends on Long Island. And at first I was like, you know, if I didn't make it in North Carolina, I'm not going to make it in New York City. 
but this is an antepartum position and I am an antepartum nurse and I am confident at what I do in that specialty. So I do think that it's going to be a great match this time and I do think that I'm better off right now. The assignment that I applied for is um, 10 weeks and I think that it's better off easing my way into traveling with a shorter assignment three nights a week. And so I applied for it and I am waiting to hear back from the agency um, to see what they said. And so if that goes through, then the um, start date for that is January 10th, which at that point will have been like over two months of me not continuously working a full-time job, which is very hard for me um, because I'm like a workaholic. So Um, I think that's a great start date and I also am happy that it's after the new year and I have two or three more weeks with my mom and our dogs here in North Carolina and getting her settled and maybe, just maybe, this was meant to be. And I know that sounds crazy, I know it does because girl, your life is up and down, That that's me, up and down, but um, maybe I just have to be concentrated on the bright side and the positives in life. And I say I don't have anything to wake up for because I don't have a job to go to right now, but I have so much to wake up for. I have so many people that are cheering me on and I have so many lives that I've yet to touch because of what I do. And I'm just going to keep doing this. I'm going to keep podcasting because even if no one listens to me, it's still a recollection of this journey that I'm going through. And I think it's going to be a good one. And I think that this is the very beginning, but maybe in a year from now, I will look back and be like, wow, I was a little baby traveler. And now I've gone on two or three assignments and I feel really good about what I do now. And maybe there'll be an antepartum position open somewhere like, I don't know, Hawaii or California, and then I'll be able to go there. But we'll see, and I'll keep you guys along for the ride, and I'll let you know how it goes with um, this assignment and whether they officially offer it to me or not. So that's exciting for me. So now that I've just confessed like the worst of what's been going on in my life the last two weeks, um, I will mention that I had a commenter on my TikTok page um, comment about how she is currently a patient on an antepartum unit. Um, because she is having some uterine dehiscence, which for those of you that don't know, a dehiscence is just an opening of a wound to where contents are now coming out. Um, And so she had told me that she had three prior C-sections and now this is happening and that um, she's at very high risk for delivery. And what I will also say is that she's at super high risk for hemorrhage as well because um, her what's happening is the, the lining of her uterus is so thin in that, um, in that C-section scar that she's had open three times. It's, it makes it very easy for that skin to just pull apart under tension and another pregnancy is tension on that scar Um, and so you'll find out actually that c-sections are uh, they make you more at risk for things having had a c-section because of that fact that having a scar there makes it more um, susceptible to injury and opening up and so Um, what she has going on right now, I've never actually seen in real life, but it is a very real thing that can happen. 
And it makes her a super, super high-risk pregnancy in that she's at a very high risk for preterm delivery. She's at a very high risk for hemorrhaging. She's at a very high risk for rupturing. Um, depending on where that dehiscence is on her uterus, I know it's by that C-section scar, but depending on if it's open to the air or if it's um, only open to the inner parts of her abdomen. Um, but either way, any breakdown in that lining of the uterus is not going to be good and it's going to make it a very high-risk pregnancy. And so that's why she's in this situation. Um, and so I definitely want to answer her on TikTok, and I will, because I need to upload a video soon. But um, that's, the, that's the type of thing that I do. I love to just educate because she would have never known what that was unless she was put in that position. That's why this is all happening. Um, and I did also have a question from my friend Jessica. She had asked me about um, how I can talk about patients and their stories without breaching confidentiality and HIPAA. And what I would say to that is that I will never use patient identifiers when talking about patients. I can only, we can only assume that they're women, right? Because I work in OB, but I will never tell you their age or their names. And I won't tell you um, specific dates. And uh, this woman that commented on my TikTok page, you know, she willingly told me that information in public. So that's why I was able to talk about it here. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of my answer to that is that I will never um, talk about patient identifiers when I tell you guys these stories because I think that they are learning stories that you learn from and educational and um, also real life. You know, this isn't Grey's Anatomy, but I'm going to say it again, life or death situations. It keeps me humble in life knowing that, you know, my problems aren't nearly as bad and actually just talking about it right now with you guys, I'm just realizing like my problems aren't nearly as bad as the people that I encounter and try to help. So um, that's why I love what I do. And that's why I'm going to continue to do it. And I hope you guys continue to listen and that it's not too boring. And like I said, don't hesitate to reach out with any questions like Jessica did. Um, and I will always answer them, like I said. So I hope you guys have a great rest of your week.